Under Centre podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre podcast. I'm your host, Darren Mar, and I'm joined by Fionn Malloy today. Unfortunately, Jake cannot make our first ever, not our first ever, but our first live Tuesday show looking back at week five of the NFL season. Fionn, how are you? I am feeling pumped up. What an intro we've got ourselves there. Fair play to you. You put that together. Uh, I think it's the icing on top of the cake of the live Tuesday shows. I'm super pumped up. That looks brilliant. Yeah, I thought we might uh, get a nice new intro for our nice new live show. I think it's only right. Um, yeah, and I think I'm so. glad you like it. I'm glad you like it, Fiona. I, I know uh, Jake likes it too. So um, I'm delighted by that. We have a packed show coming up today and um, we are going to do our big wheel of topics to help us decide which games or which storylines to talk about from week five of the regular season um but before that we're going to start and talk about the big news that happened last night and towards the end of the weekend too which of course is the john gruden uh, resignation as the head coach of the last vegas raiders but before we do that if you are watching us on youtube make sure you like this video and subscribe to the under center podcast on youtube because that is where you will find our youtube exclusive beat the bookie show and the reason why i'm bringing that up now is because if you listened to our show last week and you had gone with my bet that i gave you you'd be in the money because I had the books at minus 10, they easily cleared that. I had the Bears at plus five and a half, they easily cleared that. I said if Teddy Bridgewater was starting, hit the over on the 39 and a half points, they hit the over on the 39 and a half points. And then, of course, I said Dawson Knox, anytime touchdown scorer in the Sunday night football game between the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, he scored that touchdown. Fionn. I don't know what more I can do for uh, for our public. They should be what they should be watching our YouTube exclusive videos on our YouTube channel. Well, maybe start from this week because if they were listening to the first couple of weeks, probably lost a bit of money. So if you place a bet on Dara's bet, you probably earned all your money back. So at least as a show now, we're probably even. But we'll hope to keep this streak going. It's all about streaks in the betting game. So we try and get a few more hot takes and a few more hot bets into you in the next couple of weeks and we'll see if we can get that total to tick in the green for a while well Fionn now to be fair I wasn't going to mention the previous weeks but you just yeah I know but we have to be honest here looking with it man it's on the internet people can find those things we can delete them off YouTube if we want but people are going to find them anyway yeah and speaking of the internet uh, let's get straight into our first story of this evening and it won't be part of the big wheel of topics because it is such a big story in itself we felt like we had to talk about it and that of course is john gruden resigning as the head coach of the last vegas raiders after uh, a new york times article came out over the weekend leaking uh, emails that he had sent to various people over a seven-year period that ranged from being derogatory to racist to homophobic. We won't go into details of stuff that said, look, if you want to find that stuff, you can. The articles are out there to look at. We're not going to go into the details. I think, Fionn, we both agree that um, the Raiders have made the correct choice here, that they have... um, rightfully asked what we assume now i'm not saying that this definitely happened what we assume that john gruden has 
asked uh, has been asked to resign by the team um, after the uh, the emails came to light. Yeah, look, I think it's the right thing to do. We, we won't even discuss whether he should be gone from football. That is obvious. But whether or not Fyre resigned, I think maybe they're trying to offer him resignation in the hopes that he can maybe find some remorse and, and begin to apologise and atone for what he's done. I think the first step is that he never comes anywhere near football again. The reality is you can't do that. You can't say these things in the public that we have, in society that we have now, and especially not in a professional setting, which the NFL is. These were made in professional emails to teams around the league. Unfortunately, my Washington football team was also involved. Thankfully, Alan is, is out of that situation. We we know how bad that organization was while, while he was at the helm. So it's probably no surprise that we were roped in. But yeah, I think categorically, I don't think there's any debate that he should be gone uh, and that he should not be back in any capacity on the telly as an analyst or in any means dealing with the NFL or, or anything like that in the public eye, to be honest. Yeah, and that's the concerning thing, especially. I, I, I know you say, thankfully, the Washington team haven't uh, been involved, but th- this is a select few emails that have been found so far. Mm. And there could be more that comes to light because this obviously, as you said, stemmed from an investigation into the Washington football's team conduct most notably looking at owner uh, Dan Schneider and, and, and what has been going on there for during his tenure uh, with the team. Um, so more could come to light um, in the future weeks and months. And, you know, it's it's obviously John Gruden gets all the attention because uh, he is the person that has lost his job. But, you know, this is just one person in a league mm-hmm filled of, of of different personalities different beliefs that i find it very hard to believe that he's the only one that has these thoughts and he's the only one that has you know spoken about them in this way yeah absolutely look we're still dealing with this stuff as a society all over the world there's plenty of people that hold the beliefs that he showed in these emails and it's not surprising some of them are in the nfl and i agree with you Dara. i think he had to go, but by no means should he be the first domino to fall. There should be plenty of other firings and resignings coming along the lines. If the NFL takes their policy seriously and defends not only its values, but also now in this day and age, players and officials and referees that this directly impacts, that these statements were made directly to, they have a, a priority not only to, to punish people, but also to protect the people that are involved. And so I really do hope that more firings will come and we'll really see the NFL be tested of how true to their word are they? How strong on their morals are they? And will they follow through no matter who this investigation leads to? Because the reality is he was saying these things for 11 years. That means people were at the very least listening. And I find it hard to believe no one chirped back and said anything in response uh, on in agreement with him. And, and also shocked that no one ever shut him down. It took 11 years. And in fact, it was over 11 years, but we're in 2021 now. I believe the last email was in 2018. So that's an incredibly long time. It means a lot of people turned a blind eye. A lot of people let it slide. And that's not really good enough for us as fans, as analysts, for the NFL as an organization. And they really have to take their policies a lot more seriously. And we should see some heads roll. Yeah, totally right. Um, and like you mentioned, the last email was about 2018, while, of course, he was still in charge of the Las Vegas Raiders. And, and that's a difficult thing as well, that 
he was sending all of these emails to people while he was in charge of a team, which means he more than likely was do, saying these sort of things while at practice as well. And it must have been very difficult for any players involved to stand up to Grun because he was not just the head coach. He was the head honcho. He had final say on player personnel, who comes in and who leaves that team. So obviously there's a lot of players, maybe maybe fringe players especially, that would have had an issue with him but would have been afraid to speak up because he basically held their livelihoods in his hands. Absolutely. And it goes back to that protection that we, we talked about a couple of minutes ago. You have to defend people all through the league at all, at all levels. In this case, as a head coach, you have to protect the players and everyone else in the system under him. But it can be also on players and people under that different staff members that might look up to the players or rely on the players' feedback for them to keep their jobs. So I think this goes right through the NFL, all the way down from Roger Goodell. Obviously, he's involved in it as a victim in this. Uh, he was certainly mentioned in those emails. But I think you have to lay these protections down for every step and every every area of the NFL, whether that's on-field staff, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, a head coach, a GM, an owner, a president, whatever, the same rules should be applied for everyone and the same protections should be extended to everyone. Yeah, yeah. And now let's look at the Raiders as a team because they lost a, a, a tough game at the weekend against the Bears. They were going to, before all this happened, I was going to possibly add this to our wheel of topics this week that they are in danger of letting their good start derail due to these last two losses and, and, and how, you know, damaging those were in terms of performance but going ahead and looking forward um i i had a quick look at the odds of you know who could be the next guy in charge and and at the moment uh the favorites uh, seem to be eric Bieniemy, brian dable joe brady and kellen moore a name that's a little further down the list that i think should be under consideration and i think that they might go with is doug peterson as well, who obviously is, is out of work since losing his job in Philadelphia in the offseason. But, but Fionn, what do you think yourself? Who who do you think the uh, Raiders will go with? And, and who would you like personally to sort of see uh, in the head, head coach position there, especially with the team that they have now? You know, I'm not really sure who the who the pool is at the moment. I think they should definitely be involved in some of those offensive coordinators' names that we heard floating around uh, the league like the enemy and stuff for for next season I certainly wouldn't rule them out but I, I think this will tell a lot about the Raiders as a team we've seen them be in my opinion quite mediocre since Gruden took charge and so we'll see exactly how much of his personality and, and what he was saying in the meetings bleeds into the team You've, we've seen it all before sometimes if it's a leader that gets fired the team derails if it's a troublemaker that gets fired and someone who wasn't optimizing the team we could see a big bounce back now maybe not necessarily from now to the end of the season we'll see how the interim coach gets on but when they do fire in somebody new let's see if we can change the attitude a little bit in that dressing room they need a good news a feel-good story and and let's hope that some upstart gets a chance and to prove himself and that the team rallies around them as well would you try and get someone in now or would you wait until uh the end of the season I think I'd wait till the end of the season. I think getting someone in now, while it does have the benefits of putting an immediate and long-term head in charge, I think the top talent 
won't become available to the end of the season. And if you're a football team, as much as you want to have quick fixes for things, you also need to plan for the future. And I think the best future is with the best skill and talent at the head coaching position. And I don't think those become free until the end of this season. So I'd like to see them hold on. I think the interim coach, uh, whoever is named interim coach, I haven't seen who got named the interim coach, but I think that they can do a steady enough job to get them to the end of the season. I don't think they necessarily need to rush in to a quick signing just to just to steady everything. Yeah, and um, I, I sort of agree. I think that... Um... I think that the best sort of players to go for, or the best players, sorry, the best coaches of, to be available would be at the end of the season because, like that, these offensive coordinators are already in jobs. Um, maybe even the likes of a, a Matt Campbell or something involved in the college game are obviously still employed as well, that they will not be leaving mid season. So, if you were mm-hmm. to want to hire someone now, you would be sort of you know, maybe not going with your first choice. Um, like like I'm saying, like a Doug Peterson, because he is out of work now, if you're to go with him, if he's not necessarily your first choice, is rushing someone in for the sake of yeah. rushing someone in. Um, of course, the special teams coach, um, Rich um, Bisakia, I, think, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, is going to be the interim head coach, at least for this week anyway. And we'll see going forward um, if he will continue like that for the end of the season. And who knows, if he does a good job towards the end of the season, he may get the gig full-time. We'll see. Exactly. But- you, you need to see who's in your organisation. And also, Doug Peterson, like I mentioned, he's out of work. He's going to be still available by the end of the season, something tells me so. Uh, you got to keep your options open and keep as many possibilities on the table until you can do your due diligence and pick the guy who represents your team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I think that's a good place to to move off this subject um, and we'll see what happens in the next coming days and weeks with the Raiders and to see what happens uh, there. We are going to move on, though, to our big wheel of topics. We're going to talk about a few things from week five of the regular season, some of the big things that have come uh, out from the games, uh, of course, of Sunday, Monday, and of course, a bit from last Thursday as well, because there's still some relevant news, even though I may not want to talk about it too <laughs> much. <laughs> we did get a comment here, of course, from uh, Old Farrell, just using the hashtag Niner Nation. Of course, a, a tough loss for the Niners last weekend uh, against the Cardinals, 17 to 10. Uh, Trey Lance getting his first start as um uh, as a San Francisco 49er and of course it didn't go well and he's injured so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks that um, I think Kyle Shanahan um, confirmed this week but also they are on a bite as well so it's not the worst time to uh, be going down with an injury but let's actually get the uh, the big wheel up here there it is in all of its glory let's talk about some of the topics that are there are we going to talk about the german cities announced because yes we we found out three cities have been asked to progress in their process to hopefully host an nfl game in 2022 and we'll talk about the hand of russ or the finger of russ uh kicking is hard kicking it was very hard this past weekend we have the bills due the bill comes due for the chiefs of course the sunday night football game we have the game of the year possibly of course the chargers and the browns the giants injury nightmare i think that's probably why jake is not here today because he doesn't want to talk <laughs> about the giants injury nightmares at the moment and of course monday night 
madness, of course, the, the, the crazy Monday night football game between the Colts and the Ravens, which was a little bit overshadowed by the John Gruden news, but nonetheless, it still was a fantastic game that um, we will talk about, of course, if it lands on it, because we're going to spin the wheel here. Let's see what we're going to talk about. And of course, of course, straight in, straight in there. Oh, we'll get it over with nice and quick. Don't worry. Of course it is. The hand of Russ. Russell Wilson is uh, out for the next uh, four to six weeks. It's been announced by the team because he dislocated uh, his the mallet of his uh, middle finger. Uh, there was a few few injuries there, but um, yeah, in their in their loss to the LA Rams on Thursday night, uh, really bad injury for not just Russell Wilson, Seahawks fans as well. Of course, he is the focal point of that team. He's going to, he was put on IR officially, had surgery over the weekend, four to six weeks time period. It looks as though he's going to miss at least the next three games. And those next three games is the Sunday night football game at the Steelers, at home to the Saints on Monday night football following that, then at home to the Jaguars on Halloween, then they have their bye week, and then coming out of the bye in week 10, they travel to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers, and they hope, the hope is, if rehab goes well, that Russell Wilson could be back for that game. I have my doubts if he'd be back for that game. The fact that it's such a short period of time, I think it's the four weeks instead of six weeks. It is um, going to Lambeau in late November, it's going to be cold for a recently surgically repaired hand. It's going to be tough to play in those conditions. I am not too certain. Um, but Fionn, what do you what do you make of the Seahawks' chances in those games that I listed there um, without Russell Wilson? That was the big thing that jumped out at me. I've made the comment already on the show a couple of times that I believe Russell Wilson's cliff is, if not ongoing, then imminent. And in fairness to him, he has amazing yards it might be the best looking cliff we've ever seen but unfortunately they haven't been leading to wins and the rest of the team has not played well I think you yourself will admit the defense has not lived up to the standards that Seattle has set itself over the last probably 10 years so I think the rough thing for Seahawks fans is that those two games especially against the Steelers and against the uh what was the second team there the Steelers and uh, the Saints and the Saints. I think those are two games with Russell Wilson. You have a pretty good shot at winning. Without Russell Wilson, they become games that are no longer good winning opportunities. I think they're going to be very tough games, especially with a, a struggling defense. If the defense can sort themselves out, they're not the most potent offenses you're going to face. Okay, the Saints did pretty well against Washington, but Washington have not been a very good defense in their own right. So, if you can get it turned around, you have a hope. I think Jacksonville shouldn't pose much of a problem with or without Russ. Uh, I think Geno Smith can probably handle them on his own. But the other two games, yeah, quite tough. The only the only good thing is if he does come back for the Green Bay game, you're right, the cold is going to make it hard to grip the ball, but at least the pain will be somewhat numbed. It'll be like having a nice, lovely ice pack on his finger for the whole, for the whole game. Yeah, well, if another defender gets his hand up and blocks a throw again, I think he's going to feel that pain all, all over again. It might be a, a little bit worse than it was uh, on Sunday evening. And yeah, it's, it's it's such a tough situation. And look, 
Geno Smith came into the game on Thursday and he played quite well. Um, it must be said he had a 96-yard uh, touchdown drive in his first drive there, with a lo- finishing with a lovely throw um, to DK Metcalf for the touchdown. Even though for that split second where it was traveling over the defender's head, I thought it was going to be intercepted. But look, it made the throw. That's all that matters. You know, it'd be interesting because it's okay to come in and do well in a game like that in the middle of a game where a team, let's be honest, has not uh, schemed for you. But the Steelers are going to be scheming for Geno Smith this week because they know they're facing Geno Smith this week. And I just look at the likes of Cam Hayward and I look at TJ Watt who are going to be licking their lips at the fact that Geno Smith is going to be under centre instead of Russell Wilson because... I know Geno Smith moved a little bit and escaped the pocket on, on Thursday, but he hasn't got the elusiveness and, and the uh-huh. pace that Russ has too. So, you know, it, he's, it's going, it could be a very difficult game uh, in Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Well, look, two things are going in his favour. The first one is, as most teams would not want to play with their backup quarterback, at least Geno Atkins or Geno Smith has been a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, by no means a top tier one and maybe most people would argue not even a middle tier quarterback but it's a serious step between a career backup and a former starter I think that's a good positive secondly this isn't his first year in Seattle right he's been in he's been in Seattle a couple of years now so at least he has some experience of the system he will know the players it's not a brand new rookie coming in who only knows half the playbook you should expect him to have the playbook open granted some things will suit him more than others but at least you have the whole playbook theoretically in play so those two things should help him out i think the big the big loss is that so often seattle rely on russ's ability to just pull them along in a game and just do something that wins the game and i just don't think Geno smith has that can he win a game absolutely he's he's won games as an nfl quarterback he can do good things with the ball in his hands if he keeps his head on steady so I think if the game is close, that's when you're going to miss Russ. But I don't think any by any means they're guaranteed losses by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'd look, if Russ was to go down in any part of the season, this would have been the part I would have said because this is the, where the schedule eases up a little bit. Like you mentioned, the, the Steelers are struggling themselves. They are two and three as well as the Seahawks. Um, Big Ben has shown this year that he is struggling. Yes, they had a good win at the weekend against... The Broncos, um, the Broncos, of course, didn't really play well themselves either that game. Um, the Saints, like you saw yourself on Sunday, they're a very strange team to try and put your finger on. You don't know what you're getting from the Saints because all of it flows through Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston is playing well, the Saints are playing well. But if Jameis Winston is not playing well, that team stinks. And the Jaguars, mm-hmm. of course, 0-5, they may actually be looking for their own new head coach by the time this game comes along in Seattle. So we don't know where they're at either, but they can be a dangerous side too, especially like you were mentioning earlier on. Like It, it doesn't matter how good Geno plays. If the defense can't sort out their issues, it won't mean anything. Exactly. That's, that's, He's not going to be able to pull you back into one of those games yeah. That, that starts to run away from you. Yeah, and that's that's a big concern. And hopefully things can get right. Um, if not, then serious questions are going to have to be asked. Well, there are some 
in the media that covered the Seahawks asking questions about defensive coordinator Ken Norton. I would not see the point in looking at Ken Norton exclusively for this because Ken Norton does what Pete Carroll wants. Pete Carroll's mm-hmm. a defensive coach. This is Pete Carroll's defense. And Pete Carroll makes all those decisions on defense. So I think it's a bit of a waste. It's a bit of, it's a little bit of scapegoating. I feel if you look at, if yeah. you try and say, look at Ken Norton um, Jr. Instead of actually looking a little further up and looking at Pete Carroll, because that is his defense and that is his um, call on who plays. And, and I, I don't know how much say Ken Norton gets in it. Um, but look, we'll have to see. And what happens this Sunday night? Uh, I think that's enough time on the Seahawks. Um, I don't <laughs> want to spend any more time before I start crying. But uh, let's uh, let's get the uh, the big wheel of topics back up here. I do notice this week, Fionn, that uh, your Washington team got away with it. They're not on the wheel of topics this week. Yeah, we did have a bad loss. I felt like we should have won that game. Saints gave us plenty of chances to win it, but... Unfortunately, nothing controversial, so we did manage to stay off the wheel, of course. not We could never go a whole show without mentioning them. They were, of course, dragged into the to the Gruden stuff we were talking about earlier. But at least on the football yeah. pitch, they seem to have steadied down a little bit. Still not great for the defense, though, I have to say. Getting very nervous about whether or not we can sort this out by the end of the season. Of course, very interesting in a couple of weeks. I think it's week, I want to say week 13. It's going to be Washington against Seattle on the Monday Night Football. So two defenses that are struggling. Could be weakness against weakness here. It could be. It could, it could be Taylor Heineke up against uh, Geno Smith. That would be some. Uh, that'd be some match. We might get another. We have on the wheel the game of the year. That could be a contender for the the game of the year by the time <laughs> the season's over. But sure, look, let's uh, let's spin that wheel and let's uh, let's find out what we're going to be talking about next. Where is it going to land? Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Bills come due for the Chiefs. Of course, Sunday night football, the Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead by 38 points to 20. And I must say, it seemed to be quite an easy game for the Bills. The, the Chiefs defense, we talked about how bad Seattle's is and how you're worried you are about Washington's. The Chiefs defense are getting nothing done at the moment. It's a tough order. Everyone knows it's a tough order to play against these Bills with Allen under under quarterback. But yeah, absolutely. When you can't force a team to beat you, it really makes it difficult to play defense. And that sounds that sounds very obvious. But if you can do things to at least make the quarterback think and make the quarterback have to have to change how he naturally plays the game you have a chance at winning any game. But the Chiefs, along with a couple of other defences, as you mentioned already this season, have been really struggling to to confound and slow down offences as much as they need to. So it'll be interesting to see, along with, as I mentioned, Washington earlier, it'll be interesting to see if they can fix this problem anytime soon. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that they struggled with all year because they've been giving up points on the regular. Some games they've relied... It's sort of like a... You know, I don't want to compare it back to Seattle again, but they are sort of doing it like in a Seattle way where the defense is so bad, but you're relying on your all-star quarterback to get you out of these tough holes. 
Yeah, and it, like you mentioned, it, this isn't a new problem. They've always been slightly leaky on the defense. They've always relied on Mahomes being able to put up superstar Madden numbers, not just on the field, in the air, but also in touchdowns. And they've been involved in so many games in recent years of just outrunning the other team's offense. And when the other team's defense is doing just enough to slow you down, there wasn't many games in my memory that Kansas City were held to 20 points last season. So if you can do that, if you can hold them under 21 points, under three touchdowns, I think you have a great chance of winning because as you keep mentioning, the defense is not playing well. And it's not a quick fix because they've shown over the last couple of seasons that this is systemic at this point. This is a this is an issue they have with their defense that is not new. It's been around for a while, and it doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. No, and a few injury concerns coming out of the game as well because Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all were hurt during the game on Sunday. Now, Hill and Kelsey, I think, are going to be okay. Hill, they don't anticipate to miss much time. Kelsey... They might miss a game. It looks like he might be okay. But uh, Edward Solaire was put on the IR just today due to uh, a sprained MCL. So he's going to miss a couple of weeks at least too. So, you know, injury issues on the offense there as well. Um, and of course, it, it was the first game uh, for Josh Gordon since he was back reinstated in the NFL as well. So with all these injuries, it looks like he's going to have to step up and play more of a pivotal role than maybe he anticipated. Well, it also plays into more issues for the Kansas City Chiefs because the run game was not good. The run numbers that they had struggled. And OK, Edward Solaire did get injured, as you mentioned. He only had seven carries in the game. But outside of Patrick Mahomes... They really didn't have much on the ground. And when an offense becomes one-dimensional, even if that dimension is Patrick Mahomes' arm, it becomes a little bit easier for the opposing defenses to, to put a stop to them. And as we mentioned, and as we will keep mentioning, if you rely on outrunning the other team, that's going to that's gonna be a tough pill to swallow if the other team can slow you down. So, yeah, Josh Gordon, uh, I'd like to say congratulations to him, but at this point he's... Had so many chances now. I don't really lose plenty of players who never get the chances he had. I'd like to see him clean up his act and 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 keep going. Okay, certain places in America, we know we know the story of of the the uh, what's the correct term the substances that he has had problems with. But at this point, your livelihood's on the line, so you, you need to sort this out. You're getting a chance in a league that a lot of guys would kill for and they never get the chance you've had it i think this is his third reinstatement now at this point so i think after this one i would question if the nfl should let him back in if if he doesn't make it through this one i think if you're right it is the third one then it is a three strikes and you're out rule for sure for when it comes to josh gordon but let's flip it on to the other side and i think it would be unfair if we didn't give bill the bills the credit that they deserved of course just you know a couple of months ago they were in that same building an hour ahead, losing the game for the AFC title. And now they come back here and put on a show against the Chiefs. Have they sort of staked their claim now to be the best side in the, in the AFC? I think they have. I think anytime you beat the Chiefs twice, it's a it's a good day to be the Bills fans. I think they absolutely with 18 points difference as well. That's not a that's not a fluke. The only thing I would worry about a little bit is their running game as well. It's not as prolific they don't really have those stud running backs i really thought singletary 
a couple of years ago would be the answer. And he's never really caught fire, but Josh Allen has been super careful with the ball, not turning the ball over. So that's doing them a lot of favors. And when you've got a tight end lock knocks and, and receivers like Diggs, you're going to be a threat for any team. And absolutely, I agree with you. I think they have staked their case for being the top team in the AFC at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think that uh, they will uh, seem to go on. I think their division is pretty much, you don't want to say wrapped up, but it's it's getting there. Um, I, there's not going to be a challenge, I don't think, from any other team in, in the AFC East. You know, we saw two really good teams, the Chargers and the Browns face off at the weekend. They're two teams that could uh, that could challenge the Bills. And, of course, you cannot forget about the, the Baltimore Ravens there too. So there mm-hmm. are some really, really good teams. It, the AFC has seemed to, in these past couple of years, just done a complete flip. And whereas the NFC used to be the one to watch where it had so many great teams and quarterbacks, the AFC now is seemingly the harder conference to sort of get out of. Well, look at the age of those star quarterbacks as well. And these things go in cycles. One division or one conference gets the up and because they're on the up, the opposite conference is, is naturally down. And so they get a little bit better draft picks over the course of a 10-year spell. And now they've got all these really young, talented quarterbacks. And we're still seeing a lot of old quarterbacks hanging around in the NFC we won't go through the list. It's quite exhausting at the moment. But yeah, I think I think after a while, we'll see this ascendancy from the AFC. I imagine this will hang around for, for a few years until they get kind of mid to late careers. And then we'll start to see the young guns. A few young quarterbacks will stick in the NFC and we'll see the whole cycle start again. So I'm not surprised. I am happy to see the talent that we have as well. It's always good to have multiple superstar talents at quarterback in the league great for us to watch and it's great for us to talk about yeah definitely and of course it's 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 um some certain standings that we just have not expected to see this year and just going back to the chiefs chiefs are two and three bottom of their afc west division with of course the chargers now on top and clear on top as well uh, I think four and one they are now after the past weekend. So I, an incredible sort of weekend when it comes to the Chiefs and the Bills and, and definitely maybe a, a bit of a, a balance of power shifting there for sure. But let's get back to the wheel. Um, and I think maybe we have enough time for one more topic. Fionn, what do you think? Yeah, I think we could fit one in. Yeah, I think so. So let's spin that wheel and let's see what we are going to talk about for the last time tonight. <laughs> of course it would be of course it would be the Giants injury nightmare which you could probably say I think Halloween has come early for the New York Giants because they had a day of it last week losing 44 to 20 against the um, sorry the Dallas Cowboys in of course a NFC East divisional matchup not only that they lost um, Daniel Jones to a concussion, a pretty nasty one. The, the the footage of him stumbling after getting up was was pretty tough to watch, I have to say. Saquon Barkley went out early in the game by turning on his an- uh, over on his ankle. Um, and if you saw the pictures of his ankle inflated, I think it all took us back to our own childhood when we used to turn our ankles and it would just the balls of our ankles would just inflate <laughs> as well. And then Kenny Galladay um, went out early in the game with a knee injury and he's expected to miss one to two weeks 
um, as well. Fionn, obviously, I'm sure you reveled in the fact that uh, the Giants lost. On the other side of things, I had, you had to watch the, the Cowboys put in a good performance. But, you know, it, you know, three key positions and three injuries that could sort of derail, not derail, but like it's a season that's on the brink already. And with get crucial games coming up, they can't afford to be losing their best players. No, well, I think the Giants season is over now, I have to say. Uh, the only good team in the NFC East at the moment is unfortunately the Dallas Cowboys. I was rooting for the Giants on this occasion just to keep them within touching distance of Washington. But Washington themselves don't seem to be in any position to chase down the Cowboys at this point. So that looks very unfortunate. In terms of the Giants, absolutely, it's it's devastating. We saw the impact Saquon's injury last season made. Uh, I think they're all a little bit relieved that it's not a reoccurrence of the same injury. It's unfortunately he's known for his legs, but probably the weakest point. The only point you can train is your ankles, and that's what he's done. Galladay is tough, tough to take. I think they they really struggle to get wide receivers in there. He was their big marquee signing. If he's out for a long time and if this injury hangs around, which we've seen for wide receivers, it's not always it's not always a good sign when an injury crops up, especially if it's a leg injury. They can hang around for a while and, and really impede a couple of seasons' progress and training. So we hope that that, or at least the uh, Giants hope that that doesn't linger around too much. I think Daniel Jones, that's a concussion. That'll be standard one week or two weeks out, depending on whether he can pass the tests. It's It's tough. But at the end of the day, they're playing the Rams next week. I don't suspect they had that down as a win anyway. It might be nice to give the backups a quick run out. And then the Panthers, who have looked up and down the season, but I think everyone would agree that probably the Panthers are a better football team than the Giants this season. So two losses. I agree with you. It's two losses they really can't afford. But at this point, sitting at one and four, it doesn't look good no matter which way you slice it. And I think even with those two wins, with all the complement of players they had, you would have to argue would be pretty miraculous. Yeah, I agree. And and that Panthers game, especially when it comes about, I'm sure Christian McCaffrey will be back too. So I think they will have um, more firepower so they won't struggle as much as they did against the Eagles this past weekend. But of course, those injuries are added to Sterling Shepard injury, the Blake Martinez injury as well. Injuries are re- have really put a dampener on the start of this giant season. But one shining light to the game on Sunday was Cadavius Tony's performance. The the rookie, rookie I should say, wide receiver who had 189 yards um, on the day. A, a fantastic out by by the young um, and a 12th receiver. round knockout as well, if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was kicked out of the game late <laughs> on for swinging a punch at a Cowboys defender. I can't remember who it was, but the, the, the really stupid thing, and I tweeted it out from our account when it happened, I still don't understand to this day, and it's not just Tony, this is every player that has done it. Why does an NFL player, especially in a sport where you rely on your hands so much, why do you try and punch someone with a helmet on in the head? Oh, it doesn't you make not, any sense. You you are not doing any damage to them, but you could be damaging your hand and costing yourself a career for an absolute moment of madness. I, ju- I I'll never get it. I'll never understand it. Look, 
to be honest, I think even ejections are quite harsh for that, right? You're taking all the risk to swing that that punch and you're definitely not going to hurt anyone else on the other side. So it's a lot of handbags, as we say over here, for any of our, uh, our American fans that are listening to us at the moment. It's it's a cat fight. It, it, it was never going to be serious. No one was ever going to get hurt. A bit of pushing and shoving, a bit of handbags. Uh, but yeah, maybe he just stayed up and watched the fight in Vegas, the... Uh, the uh the heavyweight fight in vegas and he just decided he wanted he wanted a piece of that <laughs> so weird amount of punching not. going on in, in the new york giants wasn't sterling shepherd having a fight in the preseason a bare knuckle fight after training in one of the in one of the joint practices i believe yeah and it wasn't there wasn't there a fight that caused them to do joe judge to go mental as well and make them do all those laps which caused like trade our players to retire yeah, so I guess the New York Giants are uh, feeling a bit feisty this year. I don't think one and four is going to do their humor any good, I tell you that much. <laughs> well, you definitely can't say they don't have the fight in them, you know? <laughs> they you definitely have, they the have the fight in them and everyone else around them. Yeah, it's just they're fighting the wrong way. They're not fighting by winning <laughs> games. You know, no, they, they're, they're focusing on the wrong sport for sure. But we'll see what happens with the Giants going forward. Hopefully, you hate seeing players injured in general. And hopefully... You know, especially with that Daniel Jones one, like I said, the, the footage of him getting up and stumbling really was hard to watch and mm-hmm. it was kind of shocking. And, you know, we say one to two weeks, but a little mm-hmm. closer to home, Seahawks rookie, rookie wide receiver D. Eskridge had been out since week one with a concussion. And just last week, they put him on IR for another three weeks because he's struggling so much with it. So it is still a very dangerous um, injury that, uh, can mean that you could lose multiple weeks, not just mm-hmm. the one or two. But hopefully, he won't be missing much time, and he will be he will be back again. But uh, Fionn, very quickly before we go, I know it was on the wheel. We didn't get a chance to speak about it, but the cities that have been chosen um, or encouraged to uh, submit proposals to host an NFL game in 2022. The three German cities of Dusseldorf, Frankfurt and Munich um, have been sort of leaked or announced. And, and, you know, it's a very interesting prospect that we could get an NFL game in a different part of Europe, not just London. Of course, the London game last weekend between the Falcons and Jets happened and it was a great occasion. And of course, this coming weekend, it's going to be the Dolphins and the Jaguars. But just it's... Looking at the stadiums and, and the cities themselves, I don't know. Do you, would you have a, a preference yourself where you'd like to see the game next year? Uh, not really. I want to start off and say it's as a fan, it's great to have more games in Europe. Of course, England suits us the best. It's only it's only a short hop over to see the London games, but great, great. I know the support for the NFL and American football is huge in Germany, and will also facilitate a lot of that Central Europe to go. I know there big fans of the game as well. So that's great. I know the teams don't particularly like it. It's a lot of traveling in the wrong direction. They don't have their usual setups and they don't have their usual facilities available to them. But uh, that being said, I quite like Munich. I think it's a, it's a big city. Uh, I haven't managed to go to any of those cities before, so I, I can't really speak to uh, the, the cultural aspects outside the game. I know the, the stadium in Munich is certainly capable of holding an amazing crowd and creating a great atmosphere. That is one that's that's famous in Europe in the in the Champions League games as well as Dusseldorf, of course. Uh, so uh, I don't think I would have a, a problem with any of them, and I do my best to try and get over to another culture as well to see while you're 
soaking up the atmosphere of an American football match. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you with, with Munich. It would be sort of sort of maybe the preference for a lot of people because of the Allianz Arena and the fact that it would be the biggest stadium. It holds 75,000 people. So, you know, bare chance to get a ticket, you know, just for us. But, yes. Um, with the likes of the Frankfurt as well, like Frankfurt and the 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 Valstadion, um, which also hosts the football team on track Frankfurt, it holds 48,000. So, you know, you're looking at close to maybe half the, the amount. Um, and then in, in Dusseldorf, it's the, I mean, I, my German pronunciation is not great, but the Merker Spielt Arena, which is a 54,000 54, seer stadium, which incidentally has also um, held uh, Vladimir Klitschko's boxing fights um in the past too so it's not uh it's not strange it's not strange to for them to host other sports in their stadium too so whichever destination they pick I sort of will be uh will be fantastic they 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 know how to put on a good show and and I'm sure that crowds will flock to whichever city it is in their droves no matter uh which one they pick but I think that is a perfect place to end tonight's show before we go like i said make sure if you are watching us on youtube you are subscribed to our youtube channel sorry excuse me the under center podcast uh, that's where you'll find our youtube exclusive beat the bookie show we'll give you advice on which teams or which uh, games to bet on this weekend to hopefully win you a bit of money i'm hoping to keep a streak go and go two for two and get you a bit of money um also if you are uh on social on the social side of things make sure you're following us on twitter at undercenter podcast uh undercenter pod i should say not the uh not the second half of that on at undercenter pod instagram is the same at undercenter pod and make sure you are stuck to those two social channels because we do have some uh, potentially very exciting uh, uh, things in and the works, and you will find out about them first on those two on our Twitter, on our Instagram. So once again, at Under Center Pod, make sure you're following us on both of them to be kept in the loop for when it happens. Fion, thanks so much as always for coming on uh, on our first live broadcast. I think we did all right. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I don't know if Jake could have any, added any value to that, I have to say. So we'll see if he enjoys it now next week. Maybe the odd curse word he would have added, which could have um, which could have made things a little interesting. But hey, look, yeah. there's plenty of time to curse next week. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well, like I said, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, we will be back, of course, with our show, like I said, on Friday, with our uh, exclusive betting show. But until then, stay safe. And we will see you soon.